When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome again to another episode of the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here breaking down the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Fantastic. Just ate a tasty little hamburger there. Uh, Sam's Sports Grill there in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Shout out to Sam's Sports Grill. So good. We each had a burger. I chose the kettle chips. Rob chose the french fries. Absolutely. They if, were delicious. If, if you get one side to go with your main course the rest of your life, like you get one... Either baked potato, side salad, fries, or chips. And they're like, I'm sorry, we're getting away with all your popular sides. I'm going fries. You're going fries? Yeah. I go chips. Really? Chips. I like the crunch. Mm, No, I'm going to go fries. I don't know. Chips are are hit or miss. What do you think Phil Collins would choose? Uh, Salad? (laughs) Seems like a salad guy to you. I don't know. Maybe a baked potato. Maybe with no butter or sour cream. Just (laughs) plain baked potato. Maybe so. I'll have to ask him. We'll ask him. Phil? No, I'm just no, kidding. He's I not wish. A special guest. Oh yeah. man, wouldn't that be something? Well, we're gonna do the next best thing. We're gonna have Phil Collins here in spirit and in music because today's song is an all-time extravaganza of classic wonderfulness. That's right. We're talking about in the air tonight from the album Face Value. Let's waste no time. Let's hop right in to in the air tonight. felt it. Did you feel it? Oh, yes. Yes, I can feel it coming. I felt it. I felt it coming last night in the air. It was just out there, you know? Oh, yes. Uh, Actually, at Sam's, when we were eating our burger, yep. song came on the radio. It's true. We had a, we had a moment 
we were literally, we were talking about a Genesis album about to leave the table and come here to record this podcast. And then this song came on playing overhead. And we're like, it's a sign. It was spooky. It was weird. If we believed in pagan spooky weirdness, we would have been creeped out by it. Something in the air tonight. But to say we were just like, oh, that's cool. Neato. Let's go record it. Yeah. So uh, where to even start with this? I mean, this is a potentially, if you had a Mount Rushmore of like solo artist hits, this could be up there as definitely one of the most recognizable, beloved. It's up there with Africa. You know what I mean? It's up there with just about anything that is just universally loved. Nobody doesn't like this song, right? Everybody loves In the Air Tonight. Um, It is from the album Face Value, released in 1981. Phil Collins... Another 81 reference. 81. We're killing it in 1981 right now. Um, Face Value, Phil Collins' first solo album as a a solo artist. Uh, Charted at number two in the UK... And number 19 uh, on the Hot 100 Billboard chart in the United States. You know what is number two behind? I do. Why don't you tell oh, us? Oh, John Lennon, Woman. John Lennon, Woman. The Was that the first single released after his death? I be- Yeah, it was posthumously. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I think that was the first, um, first song. I, I read a quote from Phil Collins that just kind of, uh, almost kind of glibly said like, he didn't. Somebody had told him when they heard this song for the first time, they were like, "That's going to be a top three hit." He played it on top of the pops. That's what it was. He okay. played it on top of the pops, and the, the host of Top of the Pops, whoever that was, said, um, "You know, that's going to be a top three hit." And the next week, it shot up to number three. Uh, and then he was like, uh, "And then you know, ba- I'm, I'm I'm not quoting here, but basically he was like." And then Dead John Lennon dropped a song, and that was that. Yeah. You know, like stupid John Lennon kept me from getting to number one. He had to go die. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Woman by John Lennon uh, held this one at bay at number two. This was Colin's first single, not only his first album, but his first single as a solo artist. Uh, He says that he offered it up to Genesis. Phil Collins was the drummer and then later the lead singer uh, for the band Genesis. Uh, Originally, uh, lead singer was uh, Peter Gabriel. And after his departure, um, Phil moved from drum kit to lead vocals and... uh, he, so he said he offered it to, up, up to Genesis first and that the bandmates rejected it, saying it was too simple. Uh, Tony Banks of Genesis insists that Phil never played them the song. He said it didn't happen. But uh, after uh, Phil's release of this album and this song, Genesis did sort of shift their direction musically from being a kind of headier, progressive, harder to grab onto you know thing into more of a pop territory. And that's when they came out with albums like Invisible Touch and We Can't Dance, which are just pop masterpieces. Yes. Uh, you know, they have a just a touch of progressive to them, but they're still very uh, attainable as a listener. You know, got, got some good pop sensibility. Radio friendly. Radio friendly. There you go. Um, this song was also uh, given a bump in popularity uh, by its use in the first season of the TV show Miami Vice. Uh, and release subsequently of the soundtrack, which sold 4 million copies. The soundtrack to Miami Vice sold 4 million copies. Um, So, I mean, not, that's not bad. That's the kind of album you want to have a single on. Good job, Don Johnson. Yeah. I don't care if it's number nine out of 10, you want to be on that album because you just sold 4 million copies. Was the guy's Jan Hammer? Is that the guy that did the Miami Vice theme song? I I think that's right. Jan Hammer. 
or it might be Jan Hammer. I don't know, but it's, you know, J A N. Uh, maybe it's a girl. I don't know. I always assumed it was a guy, but that's probably because I'm a guy. <laughs> um, anywho, big talk about this song is what's it about? That's always been the question with this song. Um, and it's one of those that has a million different, you know, interpretations, especially, you know, in the internet age, people just start making up things online and, and, you know, rumor becomes fact. Um, did he really see someone witness someone drowning and not help? Right. That's one of the most popular is that there's the, there's a line in here about, you know, um, uh, you know, I was there and I saw what you did, you know, saw it with my own two eyes and the line about, if you saw me, uh, if you, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand and all, all this stuff. And so the rumor became the urban legend became, uh, that Phil Collins had been witness to a drowning incident in which he saw someone drowning, uh, and he was too far away to help, but that he had seen somebody nearby that who could have helped, helped and, and they, they refused. And that this song is his, like, you he's, know, he blatantly says that's false. Yeah. He adamantly is opposed to that. Yes. And he, and he insists, he says, uh, he says this song is, is about the grief that he felt after divorcing his first wife, uh, Andrea Bertarelli, I believe is how you pronounce it in 1980. Um, in a 2016 interview, Collins said of the song's lyrics, and this is amazing. I, I, I'm always astonished when, when I hear an artist say this. Um, he said, I wrote the lyrics spontaneously. I'm not quite sure what the song is about, but there's a lot of anger, a lot of despair and a lot of frustration. Um, he said, I had to start writing some of this music that was inside me. He improvised the lyrics during a songwriting session in the studio. He said, I was just fooling around. I got these chords that I liked. So I turned the mic on and started singing. The lyrics you hear are what I wrote spontaneously. That frightens me a bit, but I'm quite proud of the fact that I sang 99.9% of those lyrics spontaneously. That's really something because, I mean, they're good. They're solid. They're and very sustained and it. Kind yeah, of fits, you know? yeah, and they're they're very sort of evocative emotionally. You know what I mean? They they kind of put you in a place, uh, and not to mention these chords. And we've we've talked before about uh, pedal tones, and this song is another big pedal tone song. Where if you think of it like an organ that has pedals that stick out, um, you can hit a, a, a tone on the organ just with the pedals. And let's say you're in the key of oh I don't know D minor perhaps, <laughs> which happens to be the, the the key of this song. Uh, and you hold that D with uh, on the pedals with your foot, and then you just start moving chords around it with your right hand or, or both your hands if you're on an organ. Um, you can move chords around that ordinarily wouldn't go. Like, basically, uh, you can do this with your left hand on a keyboard or on a pedal, where you keep the D on bottom, and in this case, your chords are moving D minor, C, B flat, C, over that D chord, and it gives it just sort of a different emotion it adds some i don't know if intensity is the right word but it definitely adds some tension tension that's a good tension that's is a good probably good. the right word um and so to hear those chords just moving over that single pedal tone just gives it a, a certain feel that really that's about the only way to get it um, it's, it's a very unique feel to it's have like that a hum in your ear. It's like somebody's humming in your ear <laughs> yeah. and you can't, it's just, you just want to break change just to change. Yeah. You just want to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you, you like subconsciously beg for that resolution Yeah, and, um, 
most of the time you get it. And actually, this song really never does resolve from a pedal tone. There's literally a pedal tone D under this entire song. Uh, and so... The drum part but, changes, which gives you some thickness. Yes. Makes, well, not the part. The, it's still a loop, but... Yes. And some- I guess once once the drums once the drums of bass come in, I guess the bass does move with the chords as opposed to being pedal tone. I was wrong about that. Uh, so that does give a little but bit of relief. But the pad underneath stays. But the, yeah. Um, so, and we'll get to the, we'll get to the amazing drum fill and drum sound and all that, all that classic stuff, um, in just a moment. Something I learned in research that I did not know about this song, the original single release for radio had added toms before the main drums kick in. Uh, did you know this? No. Phil was, was, uh, playing it for somebody they listened to it and I don't, I don't know if it was a producer or or an or a uh, an executive with the with the record label but he was playing it for them and they're like where are the drums and he's like they're coming just wait for it and he's like okay you know they're coming but the kids listening on the radio don't know they're coming and they're not going to wait 3 minutes to hear them so they went in the studio and added some tom work uh before the big drum kick in. So you've got the loop that's there sure. f- from the very beginning. Um, but, uh, but they added it from the second verse on just some like, uh, let, let me play you a little clip and, uh, and you can hear it for yourself. It. I didn't even believe it until I heard it. So yeah, we've got some random toms inserted there, and they're actually inserted from the beginning upon second listen. They're there from the very beginning of the single version of the song, which is, it's not bad, but it's... It's just different. Yeah, like we're used to having heard it now that, you know... the So empty. Yeah, and it's great because then when you when when the drums kick in, it's like, yeah! Thank you. Where have you been the past three minutes? Yeah, yeah. like... Um, so I don't think it ruins it by any means to have those in there. It's very tastefully done. It's very Phil Collinsy. Yeah. It, it reminds me even a little bit of the Genesis song, No Son of Mine, mm-hmm. where yeah, there's some no random, song, yeah, uh, no. there's some it's stuff in there early. It's a, it's a quiet song, but it's got some stuff in there on two and four just to keep it moving along. Yep. Um, same kind of concept. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the original single release had those, um, had those added toms before the, um, before that kicks in. It's been featured in uh, tons of movies, TV shows. Like it's in Risky what, Business. Was it really? The, the, it's in the train scene. It's pretty. I was like, oh, neat. And I started watching. I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't. It's a little edgy. <laughs> but uh, then the one that Risky Business is most known for is Old Time Rock old, and Roll. Yeah. That's the big Tom Cruise moment. Where he's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in there, too. This Interesting. In there too. Um, and like we said, it was on Miami Vice. Phil Collins actually had a, a an acting role in Miami Vice at one point. It wasn't the same episode that featured his song, but it was later might have even been in the second season, I think, of Miami Vice. Uh, but he basically played a villain. Uh, he was the bad guy for that episode. So uh, very cool. He's done a few little smaller acting, you know, things. Um, is this your is this your favorite Phil Collins? Not at all. Song. Not it's at all. Not at 
all. Wow. I'm going to say I have two that are above it. Okay. Which my favorite Phil Collins song is definitely Something Happened on the Way to Heaven. Okay. That's my number one. Yeah. Closely followed by both sides of the story. Okay. So this, oh. hit, this hits number three for okay. me. All right. So. Wow, something so happened sorry on the if way I to deflated your uh, Rushmore there. That's just my personal personal favorite. Is this All one? Right. This isn't. Even, this is probably one of my least favorite albums of his. in terms of the albums. Yeah, and wow. I'll talk more about that later when we do okay. an album section. But. Yeah, wow. I uh, I used to play. There was a there was a um, uh, little restaurant in my hometown that had a jukebox, yeah. and I would play something happened on the way to heaven. Every time I Love went in it. there, there was a, is that, and the B side was, uh, an instrumental called, I think it was the robbery okay. or something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I love it. Something happened on the way to heaven has a great drum fill again. The, and it's just two snare hits, yeah. two snare flames, but yeah, it's good. Right with the, the Such a good, that's Such a good a video. Good. Have you seen the video with the dog? No, I have not. Dog runs around. The, they're recording. They're play, and there's this dog that runs around and pees on stuff. And it's just, <laughs> it's really funny. It's uh, uh yeah, it's good. Good dogs. videos. Good song. Good video. But we are talking about in the air tonight. So yes. Back on that. Yes. Yes. We are. Uh, it's my favorite thing that I saw that it had been used as far as a um, um, movie or TV show advertising. It was used in 1986 uh, when the brewer Anheuser Busch Bush Beer adopted it for an ad campaign uh, promoting their beer Michelob along with other night-related songs by uh, some of Phil Collins' peers. They uh, played uh, Don't You Know What the Night Can Do by Steve Winwood and After Midnight by Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Oh, so they used cool. all these night songs. And they're buddies, too. To, yeah. All those guys are buddies. Yeah. So that's neat. All British, uh, you know, um, I, I guess 60s, 70s era British rockers, you know, all advertising Michelob beer. Because why not at night? Uh, it's been sampled by tons of artists, uh, everybody from Tupac. Uh, to Shaquille O'Neal. What? That's right. Shaq. Fooshnickens? Fooshnickens. Not that song, but uh, hang on. Let me give you a quick listen. This is Shaquille O'Neal, Edge of Night, featuring Bobby Brown from what? 1996. My prerogative? <laughs> yep. As I look up as in, I the look sky, up in the sky, my mind starts tripping, my eyes. In the streets of the ghetto, lurking through trouble with brothers and rebels who thought the nine was the mine. Shout the dime that shines and left town my way in and stand in New Jersey. Stay to mine, cause I'm the play of all times. But I'm never content and bit the rules my way. Flowing, but I say goals of the highway. The seven foot killer with more sales than thriller. If I'm not in my mansion, you can find me in the villa. On the islands of St. Thomas, Bahamas are on the river. Jet ski or scuba diving, no longer striving. Cause I'm in position to buy your whole city. Cash me twism joints, call me Chef Kitty, can you feel me? I can feel it calling. Oh, Lord. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> oh, Lord. Seven foot killer with more sales than thriller? Is that what that one <laughs> That's is? what he said. Hey, I wonder That's if that was the backing track to Shaq Fu. Did you yes. ever see that game? Oh, yeah. They're remaking it. They, they remade it for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I, I thought I, it was only for Sega. I just assumed that it was a uh, that it was an April Fool's joke because I think I yeah. saw it on like April second or something uh -huh. like that. But no, apparently it's real. They're real remaking <laughs> Shaq Fu, the worst fighting game in history. Yeah, trying to make something of it. I don't know. Um, 
Speaking of fighters, Mike Tyson does a killer drum feel to this in The Hangover. I've heard that. I've never seen The Hangover, uh, but I heard that he has a... One of my grandmother's favorite movies. We were like, <laughs> she loved The Hangover. We'd come over and she'd be like, quiet, I'm watching The Hangover. Oh my gosh. The same grandma that watched TBN and all the Hallmark and Lifetime movies loved The Hangover for some reason. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, this is um, among, if not the most well-known drum fills yeah, in history. Something. Absolutely. I mean, there are a few, but I guess maybe we should maybe play it for you and then we'll and then we'll talk about it. Um so this is like 3 minutes into the song and it's just been that little The only drums have been the Roland CR78 drum machine, yep. which is pretty simple beat is carried it up to where we're about to bring us in. Yes, and it was a um a pre-made Disco, I think it was called the Disco 2 loop from that drum machine, and he had gone in and tweaked the programming a little bit. It was pretty much just a preset disco loop, slowed down, and uh, and he just got these, uh, the Ro- uh, not the Roland, uh, the um, Prophet synthesizer. Prophet 5 Prophet synthesizer. 5 synthesizer, and, um, and just got, you know, churned out this classic track. So we've got, you know, just minutes of tension building. It's this dark lyric Dark feeling song, you know, everything is so heavy. And then he kicks in with this brilliance. I mean, the grooves do not get nastier than that. And if you've never seen Rob air drum it into oh. air bass it, oh, oh my oh. goodness, it's amazing. Whew, so good. I had to do the combo. He, he had to become John Giblin bass player. <laughs> oh. oh, why don't we talk about him? Let's take a second to meet the band. Let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Let's meet the band of uh, the Phil Collins band off of face value off of this track, namely um, Phil Collins on Roland CR 78 drum machine, the aforementioned drum machine, vocals, drums, Prophet 5 synthesizer, Rhodes piano and Roland VP 330 vocoder. By the way, if you really want to hear some of this stuff, uh, listen to the remastered version that came out in 2016, 2015. Um, it's, it's got some, I guess it's got some more compression in there. That's bringing up some of the elements. A lot of the stuff in the mix comes up that I'd never heard until he just played yeah. the remix. There's a little before, before the guitar comes in with that big whale at the beginning, it's doing a little trill that's like way down in the mix and you can hear, you can hear the electric piano in there the at roads times. hitting little Yeah. Things. A lot before, like there's a, you know, you can hear it at the end going bam, bam, bam in the under the groove but there's some little very very subtle notes in there before so check out the remastered version versus the original version see which one you like better let us know send us send us a tweet at great song pod and let us know which version you like better on bass uh john giblin who we just mentioned he actually co-wrote can't hurry love with him on that also played with annie lennox alan parsons project manfred mann's rare earth band 
And this is the coolest thing ever that I found about him. He played bass with Paul McCartney on McCartney Live at Albert Hall. Huh. So how would it be to be the bass player when McCartney doesn't play bass? Yeah. Like, that's a compliment right that's, there. Yeah, that's like, you're going to cool. play bass with me at Albert Hall. That's awesome. That's, I thought that was pretty cool. So John Giblin on bass. On guitar, I hope I pronounced his last name right because it's got a lot of weird. It's Daryl Sturmer. It's S T U. E-R-M-E-R, Daryl Sturmer. Hmm. He played guitar. Um, as of 1977, he replaced Steve Hackett on all the Genesis live shows. I'm going to do the best I can to refrain on any Genesis facts because I know we're going to talk about them um, in a future podcast. So I'm going to try to save Genesis stuff for another day. But he's got a speaking part on One More Night. And apparently he's mentioned by name on the video to Don't Lose My Number. Love that song. Hmm. And I watched that video probably three or four times. <laughs> And that's four minutes and 40 seconds of video that I watched three or four times, and I cannot find where this reference is. Interesting. But it's mentioned multiple times. Is I, there a different, like, long-form version of the video? I don't know. I've watched this video. I kept watching, and just to watch a video, the same music video over and over, can get kind of repetitive, <laughs> and I never saw it. Interesting. Um, he also wrote I Don't Want to Know, which is on the don't, uh, it's, which is on the No Jacket Required uh, Phil Collins album. Um, Gear-wise, he is most known for playing the Torino Red Eric Clapton Strat. So if you see even the video that we talked about earlier with um, with something happened on the way to heaven, he's playing that Strat. And most of the live shows and live video clips I've seen, he plays a, a Red Strat all the way through. So Daryl on guitar. All right, the next person I want to talk about with Meet the Band is the violin player. And I want to play a game. I don't know if I can pull this off. I'm going to try. So his name is El Shankar. He plays violin. He's from Sri Lanka. And everything I found about him talks a lot about his family. He's a family guy. So I'm going to flash the names of his family member <laughs> under Rob's face. Oh, no. And he's going to have to remember. I'm just going to give him like one second to see the name. Oh, okay. And you're okay. going to have to just take a quick look. I wrote wow. him out. Okay. There's going to be four family members. And we're going to see how many of the four he can get. We're okay. going to do brother, father, uh, mother, oh, two brothers, a father, and a mother. So okay. here we go. I'm going to pause it. Here you go. I'm going to walk over and flash these in front of you. And then we'll go live. Okay. So we're sharing a mic over here. I'm awfully yeah. close, and I'm going to flash this in front of him for one second and then hide it. You just guys have to trust me that I'm, I'm showing it to him quickly. And go. Okay. El Sublanium. Close. El Sublanium. Oh. Good job. That's, the fa that's one of the brothers. Sorry. And brother number two. Here we go. El Vidianium. El Vidianathan. Oh. Pretty close. And, okay, here we go with father. V. Lakashakamarian. <laughs> v. Lakshamarian. <laughs> oh, I was so close. Was close. Wow. Three. I'm so. Y'all think I'm just that, being racist and trying to make this stuff it's up. It's really hard. These vowels and stuff are really tough. Okay. And round four. Here we go with the mother. Okay. Ooh, L. C. Thanaki. L. C. Thalakashami. Thalak. C. Thalakashami. Okay, I'm going wow. back to my mic. Pause break. All right. I, f I feel like I was reading shampoo ingredients. No offense to all the. Elf Seath the Lack of Shammies out there listening. So, yeah, that was but a, your name sounds like a shampoo ingredient. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of vowels and consonants. El Shankar, big family guy, <laughs> talks a lot about his family and all the interviews. So I thought that was nice to give him the shout out that his family so richly deserves. I'm not sure if he heard it that he would appreciate it as much as you think. I don't know if he liked think. it that we botched his family's <laughs> name. We were really trying to give honor to your family. Yeah. Um, he wrote the score for The Last Temptation of Christ, huh. starring William Defoe. Okay. Never seen it. Here's pretty sacrilegious. No. So I like William Defoe. 
but never would have. I've never seen this film. He scares me. Um, yeah, you think yeah, so? He's always a, the the villain. Yeah, his face. It's just it's the face. It's his face. I'm not gonna lie. It's his face. Okay. He also played with Frank Zappa, Yoko Ono, and uh, Peter Gabriel. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty short meet the band section because that's all there is. Yeah. Phil does mainly everything. Um, okay, back to albums. Is this your favorite Phil Collins album? Uh, do you know what's on each album or what are some, I, you know, I've got, I've got my, most of the time, if I go Phil Collins, I'm going the hits, hits. album, uh, you know, so that's just been my go-to for a long time. I, I'm hit or miss with the other albums, uh, but I do enjoy this album a lot. Yes. My, my two favorite albums, I go back, I probably listen to, but seriously most because mm. that's got Wish It Would Rain Down, Another Day in Paradise, Colors, and Something Happens on the Way to Heaven. Yeah. That's now, but growing up, the one I listened to the most was No Jacket Required. No Jacket, yeah. Because it had Susudio. So, so I did the One More Night, Don't Lose My Number, and Take Me Home. And I love Take Me Home. Take Me Home. That's a great That's good. There's another good loop. And some amazing background vocals on that one. you ever done any research on that one? Like Sting and a ton of people sang backgrounds on that one. That big sort of chorus at the end take take me me yeah there's tons of people on that very cool. He actually live plays congas on that. That's his. Oh, really? He comes out. I've seen him open, not live in person, but I've seen him on concert videos and DVDs. He is actually number one on my bucket list to see. Yeah. He's the one that I haven't seen that I, I want to see live. So, um, but he plays congas for Take Me Home. He brings out, that's how he starts a lot of his shows. Um, least favorite album, I would go Dance Into the Light. Really? Uh huh. I'm not a fan of that. And I'm going to have a theory on that. I'm going to show you this. So let's look at the albums of the ones that I like. I'm just going to hold up the vi- the vinyls. <laughs> I think I know where you you're know going. Where going. Go ahead. This. Yes, so I think we've so. Got, we've got, I'm sh- even we'll show face value, even though that's not in my top. But seriously, both sides. Yep. Okay, now let's look at Dance Into the Light. Yep. Well, other than the fact that the McKay sticker is covering it. <laughs> and the others, it's all up in his face. It's all just the face shots. It's all the face shots. Yep. And I, I don't know if you, you may talk more about this, but on the Face Value album, did, do you know why he did the shots like that? Is he said he wanted the listener to get inside his head, uh. which I thought was really neat. So if you look at the album cover, it's got the front of his it's face just, on the back right. and the back of his head that's right. on the back. So the music inside is actually in his head. That's awesome. And if you've never seen it, just think about the cover to Adele 25 and replace her face with Phil Collins. And that's it. That's literally it. You can... You can face swap them on a on like a Snapchat filter, and they both still look the same, like the same album. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty pretty. And he actually hand wrote all the liner notes on here. Oh, really? And I never knew this that. This is his handwriting. Oh, I love all, his handwriting. His handwriting on the back, his handwriting on the inside. He wrote everything. Oh, wow! Inside it, so I think that's pretty creative. Oh, I love that. I tell you one thing that I don't like on it that I thought I would. Eric Clapton plays on two tracks on this. I don't know if you know this. He plays on track four. Um, which is The Roof is Leaking. He okay. plays Dobro on it. Okay. And he also plays guitar on 11, If Leaving Me is Easy. And this is the biggest waste of Eric Clapton that I've ever heard. Yeah. There's no solos. There's no... It's like, if you're going to have Clapton on there, shine like, with Clapton. Yeah, have him do something clapton So that leads me to my next question for you. Can you think of anything where Clapton is a guest spot on a track that is magnificent 
in like where he's not it's not a Clapton album it's a somebody featuring Clapton didn't didn't he guest on uh I wish it would rain down he did yes yeah. and that oh. was gonna be my that's how he justified using yeah. Clapton that's the way you use Eric Clapton play Absolutely. a little of that you can play the intro yes. you can play the solo anything this is how you use Eric Clapton on a on a song That's how you That's do that. That's how you use Eric Clapton yeah. in a yeah. song. You don't have him playing Dobro, sitting in the back doing something. Right. You put him out front and you say, play five notes and bend them how you want yeah. and then get creative. <laughs> yeah. Play them in different octaves and it's money. If but you're going to pay for Clapton. You pay. Like, that's right. If yeah. you're gonna, that's good. Which makes, me, which makes me feel like, honestly, probably they're just close They're just big friends. buddies. They help each other out. So he out was like, hey, you know, so like it doesn't have to be... You want to come just sit come, in and play yeah, some chords exactly. on Exactly, just play, you but, know, but whatever. that's how you use it. And so that led yeah. me to my next question is other thing. I think I t- you didn't. You nailed that one. I'll give you my two that I could think of. Okay. I intentionally did not Google this or look up, like, songs where Eric Clapton guest spots. And mm-hmm. I just tried to remember just off the top of my head, like, man, I really liked what Clapton did on this. Richie Sambora had an album called Stranger in This Town that I love. And he does a song called Mr. Blues Man with Clapton. That mm. obviously a song called Mr. Blues Man featuring right. Clapton is going to be good. Solid. So yeah. that's awesome. And Candy Mountain Run, Bruce Hornsby song. Yeah. Clapton I, plays on that. I would have gone, there's a couple of, he, he was on several songs on the, uh, that album, uh, which is Escaping, Halcyon Days is the name of that album. Um, by Bruce yes. Hornsby, he he plays on uh, "Space Is the Place," which is cool. He's got a little solo work in there, and um, one other that is it is it's getting not getting hooray past for Tom. Me. Yes, not mm-hmm. hooray for Tom. Um, but uh, yeah, some some good stuff on that one. Not as good as I wish it would rain down. No, that's no, no, the just, best. Yeah, it's just it's it's usage, but enough. Yeah. Um, and didn't he, I might be wrong on this. I probably should have looked it up. Didn't he play on, it's probably me, the sting song. Did he help write that or help be a part of that? I, I should have looked it say. up. I don't know why I thought he did. I'd heard that. Maybe I'm wrong, huh. but I, I thought he did on that. Um, so Clapton guest spots. Yeah. Okay. I'll take, listen, Eric Clapton, if you're out there listening, you can come you can play rhythm guest. Guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't care what you want to play on it. Just come play on anything. That you want. If you want to just sit and play while we do a podcast. If you uh, want to do Spoons, come yeah. on over. Play the Spoons. Come on. Featuring yeah. Eric Clapton it's on fine. Spoons. You can use my guitar. You don't have to bring anything. You just know, show we'll, up. we'll supply whatever you want. You know, I hope you like Rogue. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I hope you like Rogue and Mitchell. That's awesome. That's what we got. We got a K sitting over there, too, if you're lucky <laughs> for the acoustic stuff. That's awesome. Um, Phil Collins facts. Yeah. Jump on some of those. Absolutely. Uh, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2010. But as a member of Genesis, oh. um, and I'm purposely going to stay off Genesis facts, like I mentioned. But is he in there solo as well? Just with not. Genesis so He's far? He's just in there with Genesis. Wow. Which leads me to the next thing. Do you know the three people who've sold 100 million albums as a solo artist and yeah. as a group? This okay. is a cool list. Okay. So there's I'm, three. He's one of them. I'm going to say Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Good job. Um... Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. That's it. And Phil Collins. And Phil Collins. That's the it. Wow. I, I, I tried to do the list and I put Sting in there. I thought Sting would have made oh, it. Oh, yeah. And Sting is not. Huh. So Collins has done 100 million albums as a group. 
And that's a lot of my freaking albums. My gosh. Yeah. A hundred million by himself and a hundred million with Genesis. Holy cow. Um, he taught himself to play music and has his own music notation. Like he doesn't read music. He really? doesn't understand. Like he's like, I'm going to play this. He writes this. it his own way. Yeah. This is what, this is a, this chord like, to me. Like when Phoebe was learning yeah. guitar on Friends. <laughs> Anger. So here's, old lady. Here's or, Bear Claw. Yeah. yeah Bear Claw. <laughs> same, same thing. Wow. You know, um, who else? Yanni. Yanni doesn't read Shut music. Shut up. Yanni, Yanni wrote his right, came up with his own notation system. Yeah. Isn't that funny? That's awesome. I actually discovered Yanni on an NBA Superstars video that of I had. Of course. Who did? He did uh, Looking Glass on there. And I was like, <laughs> how about Yanni? Yeah. Um, Phil Collins also in the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Really? And he's an extra in the Beatles Hard Day's Night. Wow. How about that? So a little movie credits there for, wow. for old Phil. Um, the way he got into Genesis, he auditioned at Peter Gabriel's house for the drummer to yeah. play drums and everybody went and they just lined up and went one right after the other. And he's like, I'd like to go last. And he memorized what everyone did just by watching them and mm -hmm. took the parts he liked of all theirs and added his own thing. Slick. Smart. Out, Slick guy. Out he, man, he really is one of the most tasteful drummers mm -hmm. I have ever heard his not super flashy no but, huh? but he he just knows where to put things and he knows when not to do things like you'll hear him on some tracks um that where he just he'll hit a he'll hit a kick drum every eh, three bars like instead of like where you would go normally you'd have like a right he'll get Or make you wait even longer, you know what I'm saying? But and it really makes the song it just works. He like is very thoughtful about every little thing. I was tell I was talking to you when we were listening to uh, I wish it would rain down. He's got just a little simple snare hit that sets off the chorus. Now I kaboom! It's just it sets it off just the right way. Like it's just it's like if it's like if you have a you know if you're eating a soup or something and there's just the right spice in there that hits you. Just a little bit, just the right way. You know what I mean? It doesn't overload anything. It's not too much. It's just so it's nice. Good. But it makes you but it makes you really appreciate the soup. You know what I'm saying? Like it's got that little hint of saffron or whatever in it. <laughs> um, He's also deaf in his left ear. No kidding. Yeah. So. Well okay. Yeah. Proficient in bagpipes. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Why not? I mean, um, another movie reference. Who He's, isn't? He's in the movie Hook. As a Scotland Yard detective, yes, love that movie, and I cannot is. picture him. I can. You can I, when see you him? said it, I saw it. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I've got one. I actually have. I have a couple that. Yeah. I have, I'm Draw not stepping on your toes. I don't think. No. Do um, okay. Phil Collins played this song at Live Aid. Sure. Uh, okay. In 1985, and he yeah. was able to take a Concorde jet, fastest jet in the world, uh, and play the song on stage in both London and Philadelphia on the same day. Yes. Uh, so he was it, during, they were holding live aid in both locations and uh, flew from one to the other. And because of time zone differences and whatnot, he, he performed at both uh, did, did on the you same hear, day. Did you hear who all he played with on each set? 
Uh, no, I heard mor- something about Pete Townsend in, making in the a mor- joke. In the morning, he played with Sting and Branford Marsalis. Okay. And then the after that, he then played with Clapton and Led Zeppelin. Goo! So he he said Yeesh. he said he hated the Led Zeppelin set and wished he could have walked out the stage. But he stuck it out because he didn't want to be the guy that walked off the stage at Live Aid. Wow. But he said it was awful. Worst experience he's ever had. No kidding. He said it was just bad. Wow. So, yeah, but, but how's that for playing with those yeah, people in bad, different different? Not settings? a bad day. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> in different parts of the world. Oh, that's so funny. Um, you got other random facts? I've got a couple more, but I can save them or we can go. Rock it. I've got two more lists. So you go with, okay. uh, go um, with some stuff. Other random fact. In 2007... Uh, after this song was featured in a TV advertisement for Cadbury's Dairy Milk in England, uh, featuring a drumming gorilla playing along to this song, um, the song again hit the charts and went to number 14. Uh, and the Cadbury's uh, television advertisement was one of the best received commercials in the UK in recent times, and it succeeded in helping to boost sales of dairy milk by an increase of 9% in a year. Nine percent. Nine percent. Just milk sales shot up because How of this song. That? Like, uh, you think yeah. Phil Collins drinks milk? You think he's a milk drinker? I don't know. I, mm. You know, some people won't allow their stuff to be used in products they don't use, and other people really? are like, I, "Are you paying? Fine, go for it." Do you drink mm. milk? Would you just sit and drink milk? I no, almost never. No, mm. Me neither. Only in cereal. Cereal. Yeah, yeah, but like to just drink a glass of milk? Nah. Keep Do you it. drink the milk after the cereal is gone, like the sugary milk leftovers? Like it, if you have cocoa. Pebbles or Krispies? Do you drink the chocolate right. milk remains? Mm, it depends. I, no, no, and I'll tell you why. I was trying to postulate an answer, and I was couldn't figure out why it wasn't making sense. But it's because I, I don't because I don't leave any milk. I I keep I adding cereal, I add cereal to finish until the milk. milk is I'm gone. The same way. Yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So similar. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> uh, how about this one in the video game? Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories. Okay. There are several levels. That's set in Miami in the 80s. So it's got a Miami Vice vibe to the whole game. Okay. There are several levels surrounding a subplot of a Phil Collins concert coming to Vice City. Uh, The missions all entail protect. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. The missions all entail uh, protecting Phil Collins from a gang that his manager owes money to. And in the final mission of the game, entitled In the Air Tonight... You must stay on the catwalk of the stage while Phil performs the song and stop gang members from killing him. During the song. During the song, yes. After you beat the mission, you can return to the stadium, purchase a ticket to the concert, and watch an animated video of Phil Collins performing this song on stage. Holy cow. In Grand Theft Auto. So he plays himself in a video game. Yeah. As Phil Phil Collins as Phil Collins. Yes, Phil Collins as himself. That's cool. That's when you know you've made it. That's right. When When you you play play yourself yourself in a video game. In a video game. And doing what you do. Right. Yeah, not not even as like, you know, I'm playing a detective. No, I'm I'm on stage performing my greatest hit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, He has had six number one hits, and this is not one of them. Did you know that? I, well, I knew it wasn't one of them, but I just yes. hadn't thought about it. Do you know how many of the blocked by? Think how many of the six you can get. There's six. Are they all? They're legit solo they're hits. Legit not Genesis solo hits. This okay. is Phil Collins so, solo hits. That okay, went to number one uh, is Susudio one. Susudio is one. That's not the seventh one. That's number seven. Okay. Um, I've just got them in order. Both sides of the story. Both sides of the story is not another day in paradise. Another day in paradise was his fifth one. Okay, number five. All right, hang on. I'm just trying to go through the through the through the hits album. Yeah, through the hits album. Um. How about it? Surely none of the Motown stuff, right? Not like Can't Hurry Love. Um, uh, no. True Colors. No. Nope. 
Um, I'll say them and you'll start okay. knowing them. Uh, Groovy Kind of Love was his first one. Really? That was his first number okay. one hit. Oh, what about... Um, uh, what? How can I just yep. let you Against walk away? Odds. Against yep. all odds. Yep. There we that go. That was the okay. second one. That was okay. number two. Uh, underrated movie scene. Uh, what is it? Forces of Nature with Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Bullock and Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck, and um, somebody's in it. And I, I now I can't think of the actor who does this. I want to say it's Bradley Cooper, but this was way before his time. Um, but somebody that reminds me of Bradley Cooper for some reason, like Sean William Scott, but not him either. Anyway, they're in the movie and they're trying to get Sandra Bullock and they start singing that to her as she walk as she walks away and they just singing it so badly and she just has this pained look on her face like oh you poor thing yeah. it's hilarious that's cool um so we've got three left three four and six um separate lives which I really? would have never thought that hit number one uh-uh. but it did what about easy lover nope but I love that one that's oh a, that's I love that one with the, um uh, another slow one and then kind of a mid-tempo did one. I already guess another day in paradise you did mm. One More Night was number four. Okay, sure. And the last one, think card game, but not really card game. Card game? I was just trying to get you away. Two hearts. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that's his seven number one hits. Wow, those are kind of unexpected. Yeah, and In the Air Tonight didn't. And And it was number 19. It wasn't even that close. It's about timing. I guess, you know, it's, I guess, the way he looks. He got on a roll. Gets the competition you're going against at that time. Well, that's true. Yeah, it could be. Um... This also has, you know, this is maybe, we mentioned one of the greatest known, at least, you know, technically it's not, but one of the greatest, most well-known drum fills of all time. And I started to think, you know, about some of the other drum fills that, that you can recognize a song instantly. When you hear the fill. By a drum fill. Okay. Do you have any of those that just immediately pop to mind? I have a few that I wrote down. Play some and maybe some of mine will start hitting. Okay. So, and I, there's kind of a, you have to kind of make a distinction between drum fills and like drum grooves, but like a drum groove that starts a song that, that is stays solo. The whole, okay. Right. So like, uh, take rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. Okay. Right. You hear that. You know what I mean? You know, instantly that's rock and roll. Um, or uh, yeah, how about a- this one? How about we'll, we'll play a little, I'll play you a little clip and you tell me what, what song it is. Oh man. Good call. Got you know Ringo when you hear him. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? Yep. Yeah. It's, Are you gonna be my girl be my by girl? Jet? Jet. Yep. Okay. Um. Let's see. Hang on. I got a couple others. This one has uh, two acceptable answers. Janie's crying. Yes. That is Janie's Crying by Van Halen. Van Halen. But most of the listeners probably know. Okay, here's the here's the full fill. Okay. But most of our listeners probably only know Funky Comedina. Uh, or the other one. It's actually the other one. It's Yeah, it's Wild, wild Thing. Wild Thing. Yeah. Where it cuts off Tone the luck. last two notes. Yeah. So, so to the point that the first time I ever heard the Van Halen version that that's a sample from it freaked me out. I was like, what is that? And why does it have two extra notes in it? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, so weird. I was like, ah, where's the downbeat supposed to be? <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. How about, you don't know this? Come on. Oh, it's a, yeah, I can play it. <laughs> I'm playing it. I'm playing it. <laughs> 
the hand motions <laughs> JP's doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. That would be Van Halen's Van Halen, hot, hot for teacher. teacher. Yeah, oh, I, man. Was just, I was playing the speedy <laughs> finger tap part and had a brain lock. I, I, I knew it was. Oh, yeah. goodness. The histrionics JP was going oh, through. Oh, my just goodness. Now. That was weird. Sorry, everybody. I, I, I disappointed all of us. those things were like, you just know what it is. Yeah, like, it's like somebody you know. plays Amazing Grace and you're like, oh, I know this one. I, I know I've heard I it. Hang it. on. Hang on. I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh, man. Yeah. Got to love a, a, you know, you've written an iconic drum fill when people just know it. You know what I mean? There's another one in like Jack and Diane, you know, Kenny Arnoff that in the middle of Jack and Diane. Um, Wait a minute. That's not the drum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but uh, okay, speaking speaking of the drums, because one of the great things about Phil Collins is his drum sounds, right? Like not only is he a great player, but his drums always sound amazing. And this song became kind of a pattern for the kind of drum sounds that you heard throughout the rest of the '80s uh, and even into the early '90s. And it's uh, because of a technique known as gated reverb um, on on the drums. Um, and it kind of happened by accident. Uh, Phil was recording drums for Peter Gabriel's Intruder. And um, he started playing while there was a... On the, on the mixing console, they, they're using an, an SSL uh, mixing console. And it had a... Um, okay, there's, there's a, a thing called a talkback mic that the producers, the engineers will use. They hit a button on the console and it allows them to talk into the booth, into the ears of the performers so that they can hear through the glass and through all the, you know, soundproofing. Um, well, there was a, a reverse talkback mic that was used on the SSL so that the performers could talk back, back into the, the booth and, you know, and you could do it from a distance away. You didn't have to be right up into it. And um, so he started playing while this reverse talkback mic was on, and the producer, he was who was Hugh Padgham, loved the sound, um, and they they messed with it and used it on Intruder, and they rewired the console uh, that night to be able to do it on purpose. Like they were like, okay, what, I, we want to be able to do this, so they rewired it to the, they could use it to their advantage and be able to actually do it. They added some compression. And uh, which which brings uh, it 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 makes the dynamic range reasonable. It brings up some of the lower volume sounds and squelches some of the higher volume sounds and kind of puts them together. So it gives you a a thicker sound as far as drums. Um, it's kind of like one of those t-shirt bags that you put under your bed. It compresses it all together, like those big t-shirt <laughs> yes, bags. Kind of so, yeah. So that you cram it all together. Okay, in one like the vacuum space. sealed yeah, things. Okay, but, yes, a little bit, but with sound, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, and then they added um, some uh, gated uh, microphones, which a gate it, it only lets sound over certain volume thresholds through. And then if it's so, if it's you know, if you set a gate to minus 20 decibels then only sounds that are louder than negative 20 decibels get through the gate and once the decay of the sound goes between that then the gate closes at whatever at you know you can make it fast or slow um and so that became the sound of gated reverb on drums so that if you listen to especially the snare you can really hear it on the snare where instead of just a pop you get kind of a 
Uh, and that is that's how that sound became a thing, and it became the sound for drums in the '80s. And honestly, has make a made a big comeback now. You're hearing a lot of reverb on drums and toms again in uh, in a lot of pop and and modern music. Um, but it kind of happened by happy accident. And uh, and this this track is the well, actually, uh, I guess it would be Peter Gabriel's Intruder that sort of became the whatever. But this was the like the coming out party for that sure. sound because this groove at the end is so relentless, mm-hmm. and the the drums and bass are grooving so hard, mm-hmm. the absolute most they're grooving. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about gated reverb. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. I like that. that was good. Now you know. Yeah, now the more you know. Uh, <laughs> On the drummer topic, um, Phil Collins is the third wealthiest drummer. We've done wealthiest bass players Ooh. in the past. So, living? Uh, let me see here if they're all living. I think the majority are. I've got the top. I know the top nine or so. Let's just try to get the top five. Okay. And then I'll throw in some others. So okay. let's start. We know Collins is number three. Number three of 250 top five. million is what he's worth. Okay. 250 million. Okay. Okay. Number one. What do you think number one is? Neil Pert? Neil Pert is not on the list. Wow. Man, you would think. Yeah, okay. as a drummer, I would have thought so too. Yeah. Um, I think bigger picture. Is Ringo? Ringo is number one. Okay. 300 million is what Ringo's worth. Of course. Number two makes me want to vomit. <laughs> I don't like this guy. Um, uh, there's a clue for you. You know, I don't like him. Played who with. Are you talking about? Dave Grohl. Dave, really? Yes. Not a fan? Not a fan at all. Don't wow. like the Foo Fighters. Can't stand Nirvana. Uh, okay. There you go. Number two. Sorry, Dave. Wow. I know you're a big okay. supporter of the podcast. My apologies. So There's number two. Number Ringo, four, Ringo Grohl, Grohl Collins. Collins. Number four we've talked about on a podcast prior. And Is it ref- Jeff Picard? Well, no, We referenced on. him on the... We referenced Phil Collins on his podcast. Singing drummers. Is he more of a singer Oh, wow, Don Henley. Don okay, Henley. okay, that yep. makes sense. Number four, $200 okay. million is what Don Henley's worth. Okay. Number five, we would probably have to send him a fax for him to know <laughs> how to get in touch with us. Lars Ulrich. Lars Ulrich. Oh. Lars, thanks for listening. That's a great callback. Yeah. If you haven't listened to, I don't even remember don't what remember episode was that either. was, but uh, there was a great Lars Ulrich callback from season one. That's good. Good job. I'll throw out the others. Yeah, round out the others. Uh, Number six, Larry Mullen of U2. sure. Number seven, Roger Taylor of Queen, not Roger Taylor of Duran Duran. Apparently the drummer, same name. Didn't know that. Drummer for Duran Duran, same name as the guy for Queen. Number eight, Joey Kramer. um, Aerosmith. Number nine, Chad Smith. And for some reason, I did not write down number 10. (laughs) So there's the top nine. Maybe it wasn't important. So good job, Phil, coming in hard at number three. Maybe no other drummers are rich. There are no other wealthy drummers. Yeah, from there to... (laughs) Then it's like guys who work at Guitar Center and gig on the weekends. Chad Cochran, number 10. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Chad Cochran if you're listening. Chad Cochran, big big fan. Although I don't think he listens to podcasts either. I think he'd have to fax us as well. I guess so. (laughs) No relation to uh, Tom Cochran, Chad Cochran. No, none. Uh, okay, you got any other facts on this song or on Phil Collins that we need to get into? Uh, just one other thing, not crazy about the video. If you've seen the video, it's the one where it's all yeah, on his face it's and like it a, changes colors. Doors and opening doors. Yeah. My least favorite thing about the video is the drum hit, the you know, the uh-huh. I think it would have been so neat for them to hit his face on time with the drum hits, but it's not on time with yeah. the hits, even uh, in the video. So, true. sorry, Phil, I think you missed the mark on the video. But uh, this video was did benefit uh, from a lot of early play on um, 
MTV. MTV. MTV had just launched when this came out, and so it got a lot of rotation early um, on MTV. But yeah, I've never thought it was a great, great video. It's, you know, just kind of is what it is. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit spooky or, uh, you know, whatever. It kind of feels like a dream. You yeah. know what I mean? Like a little bit. It so. changes to the Technicolor with the thing. So yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, I can see where it's a dream thing. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's what that's what I got. Yeah. Man, this is it. Just you're gonna want to go listen to this song. Why don't we take you out with the drum break and a little bit of the groove uh, from the end? And I I would just I want this groove like whenever I need to walk into a room confidently. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just be able to like. Uh, you know, th- like, yeah, this is your own the room. Yes. Own the room. You walk into this with, with some head, walk into a room with, with this and some headphones. You've got it. You can, there's nothing you can't do. Doors open, doves fly. And then and <laughs> slow motion behind you. Robin a white suit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what you're going to hear next time you see me, uh, you know, come up into the room wherever you are. Um, just imagine me that way. Uh, that's all we got for this week on the great song podcast, wherever you are, however you're listening. Thank you so much. We sincerely appreciate it. Uh, until next time I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music. (laughs) 